Today, we are going to hear uh, a testimony um, of someone who is a integral part of our church family, and he is going to be baptized today. Uh, yep, there is a. You, you guys are in a very clappy mood today. That's good. I like that. I like it. It's very. <laughs> it's very unique for our church. I like that. Everybody's clapping. This is good. Wow. I'm so glad that you're here today because today is an opportunity for me to be able to share with you as your pastor what I think lies at the core of who we are as a church and who we want to be. Um, And there's no better way to illustrate that than what we are about to do today. We have been studying the book of Acts for about a year, year and a half. Is it two? It's forever. It's been going on for a while. And here's what we see in the book of Acts. Here's what we see in the book of Acts when it comes to the church. What we see in the book of Acts is that it had this dual dynamic, dual tension of expanding and then consolidating. Expanding and then consolidating. We have this dual dynamic where they were growing like crazy and then yet they were getting closer together in community. In the book of Acts, we see this, we see this movement, the church of Jesus Christ, and, and, and we, see, we see words like this. It says that they shared everything together. They shared everything together. It was consolidating and yet the Lord added to their number daily. So in the book of Acts, we, this, we see this powerful movement of God, and it had this dual dynamic of, of expanding, growing, God adding to their number daily. At the same time, it's a community that was getting closer and deeper and, and more authentic and real. And to me, that's a perfect picture of a healthy church, and it's a perfect picture of what our church desires to be. The biblical imagery that's also helpful is this imagery of it's expanding. In other words, it's, an, it's the army of God and the body of Christ. The army of God that's expanding, that's growing. It's missional. It's reaching out. And yet it's also the family of God. It's the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's getting deeper and building relationships with each other. And today... Um, What a perfect reminder that as we expand and grow, as we are the army of God, Logan Square, Bronze Hill, as the church expands and God continues to add to our number daily, how critical it is for us to realize what it means for us then to become this community that's also at the same time joined closer together. And today is a powerful testimony of what happens when we do this right. When we do this well, the powerful influence that it has that reverberates beyond just a group of people, but really the city, the nation, and the world. Um, the pastor's got to preach a little bit before we share the testimony. So, although my wife was like, Why you got to always preach a sermon? You know, we just have the testimony. I said to her, Because I have the mic and I can do whatever the heck I want to. There you go. No, can I just share this with you guys? I'm extremely tired this morning. I spent the entire week in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Uh, part of my work, I work for a denomination and I work in their church planting department and I assess church planters. And Julio and Katie Isasa were there being assessed, as well as Stephen and Kathleen Sharkey was a part of our church. So I spent, and it's 12, 14, 16 hour days of just being with people. And anybody that knows me, that is a recipe for like disaster. You know, I don't mind being with people like here and there, but 14, 16 hours of like for three to four days. It was just my, my only reprieve was one of the days I, I was hungry for Korean food. So I yelped, of course, Korean restaurant. And there was one like right near where we were. Right. So I, I, I drove out there and I realized very soon, like I was in the backwoods of Nashville, Tennessee. It's a little scary, guys. I, I, I posted on my Facebook, like, I saw more mullets in three days than I had in 30 years, right? So I'm driving out. And, I, and in this kind of rural, dusty, kind of countryish road, there was a Korean restaurant. So I drove up. There's nobody in the parking lot. I drive up. I'm like, is this safe? Sure enough, so the open sign. So I walked in, and I saw something I never, I never thought I'd see in my life. I saw this Korean lady with the most beautiful, biggest mullet I've ever seen. That <laughs> was, that wasn't it. What happened next? She opened her mouth and out it came her mouth, a perfect Nashville, Tennessee accent. She said, how you doing, sweetie? Good to see you. Freaked me out a little bit. Freaked me out a little bit. I was like, doo, 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 doo. I was like, where am I? <laughs> So I had my very average Korean food. It was wonderful meeting folks. What was I talking about? Oh, I was tired. I'm tired. That's why I'm tired. I was, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm sorry. I want to put up some scripture passages. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And if you have Bibles, you can look at it. If you don't. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Here's the reason why I'm going to read these uh, four verses. In these four verses, we are reminded, you guys, of what it is that you are committing to when you become a Christian. Let me say that once more. In these four verses, you and I are being reminded by Scripture what it is that we are committing to when we become a Christian. And what it is that we are committing to when we become a Christian, listen carefully, is not an individual relationship with Christ where all of our needs are going to be met. What we commit to. So if you're not a Christian here today, you're going, okay, what does it mean to become a Christian? If you want to intelligently commit to Christ and follow Christ, these Scripture verses Tell us what it is that you are committing to. And it's way more than just an individual relationship with Christ. Verse 38, this apostle Peter preaching, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You've heard me say this a thousand times before. He doesn't say, save yourselves from hell. Because the end all and be all of following Christ is that you save yourself from hell and go to heaven, wherever that is. He says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And I'll talk about that and what that means in a moment. Those who accepted that message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
Here's what somebody way smarter than me, a commentator, says about this particular verse. He says, when Peter says, save yourself from this corrupt generation, and they began to be baptized, Peter is not asking for, listen, private individual conversion, but for identification with a whole new community, a new humanity. These were transferring from a world society that they belonged to into what was a new and being saved society. If you are going to intelligently commit to following Christ, Christian and not, this is what you are committing to. It is not to an individual personal relationship with Christ where your needs are going to be met. You are identifying with, you are committing to this living organism called the church. You are committing to identifying with. You are committing to join. You are committing to do life with this thing that the scripture says is like a new city, a new society, a new humanity, a new community. That's what you're committing to when you become a Christian. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for we have been baptized into one body by one spirit. Did you know that? Did you know that when you became a Christian, whether you like it or not, you all of a sudden supernaturally became joined to this living organism, this thing called a body, and your Christian life is incomplete unless your Christian life has a vital element and aspect of how you live out this identification with this new community, this new humanity, this new society. So this Western Americanized version of Christianity that says, I do my quiet time, I pray, I do devotions, I go to church, whatever that means. And my relationship with God is fine, is foreign to Scripture. Foreign to Scripture. If you had been alive 2,000 years ago and you become a Christian, somebody said, so what's your Christian life look like? My Christian life with God is great. I pray. I do my devotions. I go to church. They would have looked at you and said, uh, you must be talking about some other religion because that's not Christian faith. They would have wanted to know. So uh, what, 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 what community are you like a vitally part of? Huh? Who, who are you doing life with? What, what new society have you joined that you're identifying with? Which poses a question for us, of course, is how are we doing? Oh, boy. So today, for some of you, this is like, woohoo! encouragement. That's exactly what I'm doing. This is what it's about. I love this community. I'm a part of this community. They know me. I know them. I am known. They are known. We are doing life mission together. Or he's sitting there going, well, I, I, I go to church on Sunday. I, I attend the service and then I go home. We're forced, you guys, with the question, not, well, let me put it this way. We're forced with the question, which is, are you living out the Christian life that the scripture says is what the Christian life is supposed to be? There, there are various metaphors and images that the scripture uses to describe this body, the, the, the church. 
And, and, and I want to just talk about two of those, and then we're going to interview Kevin. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 says, this is Apostle Paul speaking. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So first metaphor or energy of the church is one of a household or a family. Why is it important? Um, You can't become a Christian without at the same time joining a family. You can't become a Christian without at the same time joining a family, a new family. Significance of this. The people that you automatically get related to when you join God's family, they're not your friends. They're not your significant others. You choose those. We don't get to choose our family. Is that good news or bad news? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends. Depends on what our family was like, right? It depends on what our family was like. Because for some of us, it's like, oh, that's awesome. So I like automatically get joined to this family, my image of family. That's great. But for a lot of us, it's like, oh. You mean like when I become part of God's family, I get joined, whether I like it or not, to other people who are part of this family and I got to like deal with them whether I and the answer is yes now let me tease this out a little bit and 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 and, and try and do some application things the, the 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 problem is that when it comes to family and the fact that we don't get to choose our family makes this whole community thing somewhat challenging because friends and significant others are voluntary relationships that are conditional. I like you. You like me. We share common interests. Let's hang out. As long as you like me, I like you, share common interests, we continue this relationship, we could take it or leave it. Voluntary, conditional relationships. When you join the family of God, it no longer becomes voluntary and conditional. Why? When you join the family of God, the whole point of Christianity is that God is not some boss that as long as you're performing, as long as you're producing, you continue to work. But as long as you stop performing and producing, you get fired. Essence of Christianity says we have a heavenly father who extends his mercy and grace and invites us into his family. And check this out. We have an enduring, unconditional relationship with him. But that means... That when you join this family and you want an enduring, unconditional relationship with your Heavenly Father, you're going to get enduring, unconditional relationships with your brothers and your sisters who are part of your family. And just as it'd be ludicrous to say, Mom and Dad, I like you, but my brothers and sisters, uh uh-uh. Take it or leave it. God says, when you join this family, at the same time that you become a son, you become a brother to someone. 
At the same time, you become a daughter. You become a sister to someone. They go together. You can't have one without the other. I know. We're like, I wouldn't choose these people. (laughs) Just like I wouldn't choose my own siblings. I'm putting this in the worst case scenario, but let me offer a challenge and an encouragement. The reality is you come into this family and all of a sudden you're related to people that you have little in common with. I mean, look around you, will you? This community, this family of God, when you join this family, you look around and go, I don't know if I choose to hang out with her. I don't know if I choose to hang out with them. We don't have much in common racially, ethnically, culturally, and definitely interest-wise. There are all kinds of differences. And yet the question that I have for you is, they are your brothers. They are your sisters. Are you just putting up with them? Or are you loving them? Pursuing friendships and relationships that go beyond just Sundays. Let me tell you how you and I know if the gospel has penetrated our hearts. We know if the gospel has penetrated our hearts. We know that if our hearts have been changed by this enduring, unconditional love of God, if today in our lives there are friends, there are people that you look at them and go, if it not been for the gospel, if it had not been for the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no possible way in the world that we would be friends. This is how you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the enduring, unconditional love of God has changed your heart. You look at people and you go, at one time in my life, I would have despised you. One time in my life, I would have ignored you. One time in my life, you wouldn't have been on my radar screen as far as I'm concerned. We have nothing in common. But the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ says, the playing field is leveled. We are all sinners redeemed by the grace of God. And that grace has brought us together. Are there friendships and relationships in your life, in this church, that astonishes you that you're friends today? Are there people in your life, you're going, if it not been for the gospel, oh! Furthermore, are there relationships and friendships in your life that would astonish a watching world that says, how in the world can the two of you be friends? The power of the gospel. See, people over here are laughing because Kevin, the people that are his family, are people he has nothing in common with. Zero. And there might be folks that in another time, in another time, another place, there's no way their paths would have crossed. And yet, the question that you and I are posed today with is, Are there friendships and relationships that are your brothers and sisters that testify to the reconciling power of the gospel? Come on, seriously. You're just putting up with each other? You're going, yeah, you know, we're all Christians, so let's all play nice, act nice. Or are there people in your life that you're saying, oh, man, we're friends. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Challenge. Encouragement. Well, encouragement. And you've heard me say this over and over again. The reality is we're not a product of our individual decisions and choices. I know in Americanized Western culture mindset, we say, well, I am who I am. I am a self-made man or woman. No, you are a product of community. 
You're a product of community. You are who you are because of relationships that influenced you. Family, friends, significant others. That's part of the reason why there are some of you, as I start, soon as I start talking about community, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because immediately words like trust, vulnerability, being weak, being who I am, fear of all these things come to mind. You're like, whoa, and rightfully so, because maybe you've been burned by a church, by parents, by pastors. You've, you've put yourself out there and, and, and you've been rejected. You were betrayed even. And you're going, man, Peter, do you see how you've been shaped by community? And I say this in our entire time. I say it again. If community is what has shaped you and hurt you, community is what will heal you. You have brokenness and issues in your life. If community is what brought those things, community is what will heal you. Men and women. Again, I'm just sharing Kevin's testimony. Men and women in your life who say, that broke me and messed me up. And yet it's the very same dynamic of relationship that has healed me today. And you guys, I just thought about this too. For those who go, man, I'm just scared to put myself out there, man. You know, maybe it's just me. And so you guys, maybe this resonates with us. But as I thought about how we have been created, humanity, to reflect the image of God and show God to the world, I was thinking, you know, is there a more powerful way to reflect God, show God to the world than when we are hurt, when we are betrayed, when we are uh, uh, when we put ourselves out there and people hurt us, is there a more powerful way to demonstrate what God is like than when we experience those things, we don't give up? We don't just walk away. We don't just say, well, you know what? I'm done. Conditional relationship, right? You're no longer meeting my needs and who I am, so we're done. What more powerful way to illustrate the power of God than to say, when we are hurt, we stay and we forgive. When we are betrayed, we don't just walk away and say, I'm done with you, but we reconcile. Is there a more powerful way to demonstrate the gospel and who our God is to a watching world than to be a community who doesn't just give up on each other, who doesn't just walk away when things get hard, but we stay in it and we love and we care and we forgive and we reconcile. And maybe that to a watching world that knows nothing but conditional relationship that says, if you stop acting the way I want to, we're done. Is there a more powerful way to demonstrate to a watching world the gospel that says, and yet while we were still sinners, he died for us. So, yeah, I, your pastor, I goes out there and say, if you're like, yeah, I'm scared to put myself out there, man. I goes out there and I want to say to you, maybe that's a moment for you to be able to demonstrate the power of God. To stay in it. The second imagery. But Kevin comes up here. It's found in verses 21, 22. The family. And second imagery is actually that of a building, a temple. He says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The temple was where, of course, the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. 
And Paul is saying that the Shekinah glory of God that once inhabited the physical temple, listen, now rests where? In the church. In the body. But there's a thing there. He says, to the degree that we are joined together, to the degree that we are built together, is the degree to which the power of God, the glory of God is manifested. Um, it's hard to see it here, but imagine a building. The imagery Paul has. Imagine a building, a wall, and there's a brick, a stone. And on this brick or stone are stones above it, stones below it, stones beside it, right? And the imagery that Paul's painting, I think here's one of this, right? All these stones are connected, interconnected. Whether you realize it or not, interconnected and interdependence. So if one of these stones shake, those stones that are connected to it in interdependence will also shake. Furthermore, if one of these stones fall out, then the whole wall, the whole building is in danger of falling apart because of that one stone that is interconnected and interdependent to the other stones. So here's the imagery. Are you so connected in interdependent way to people of this church that if you were to stop showing up, the whole thing would fall apart? Are you so interconnected and interdependent union with people of this community, your brothers and your sisters, that if you were to stop showing up, the whole building would collapse? That is the imagery that Paul has in mind when he says you are joined together. You are built together. Which makes this whole um, attending church on Sundays, getting what I need and go home, things into perspective, doesn't it? Here, let me just do this and then we're done, okay? And then we'll get Kevin up here, okay? Uh, you guys familiar with the one another passages, right? One another. I'll put some up here. There's, there's uh, about 40 some, but let me just go ahead and then put some up here. These are the one another passages in scripture, right? Uh, for example, there are a bunch of scriptures. Love one another. Uh, there's serve one another. There's accept one another. There's strengthen one another. There's uh, help one another. Encourage one another. There's care for one another. Forgive one another. There's submit to one another. There's commit to one another. There's build trust with one another. There's be devoted to one another. There's be be patient with one. Do you mind if I read really fast? Is it okay? Okay. So it'll be interesting one another, accountable to one another, confess to one another, harmony with one another, do not be conceived to one another, pass judgment on one another, slander one another, instruct one another, agree one another, admonish one another, spur one another, meet one another, agree with one another, concern for one another, humble one another in love, be compassionate to one another, do not anger one another in love, do not lie to one another, agumbra one another, give preference to one another, be at peace with one another, sing to one another, be at mind to one another, comfort one another, be kind to one another, live in peace with others, and carry one another's burden. Uh, uh, so essence of what it means to be Christian. Let me ask you something. Um, How many of those have you been able to do in the last hour that you've sat? Maybe two? Maybe three?
It concerns me when people say, I go to new community. Because I want to say to them, you mean you're going to a worship event. You've listened. Maybe you've learned a thing or two. But are you the church? That is one anothering in this family. Hmm? It's a danger of having small groups. Because we play at community. We go to small groups. We do Bible study. We think, community. You don't have community. It's just getting together. Sort of going deep. But never really one another. What would our church look like if every... Listen, what would our church look like if every single one of you that walked in on Sunday mornings had this perspective? I know what I'm going to today. I'm worshiping with God's people. I am listening. I'm learning. I'm singing. But this is a small, tiny piece of my Christian life in this new community. Because for the rest of the week, I'm living out my life in interdependent, interconnected, deep, authentic, and real relationships with people who are called in this mission together. I don't need community. I, I, you know, I, there are a lot of reasons why we say that. Here's the problem with needing community when you really need it. Here's the problem with needing friends when you really need it. I don't walk around and go, air. I love air. Air is good. Without air, where would I be? Air. This, nobody does that. You know when I really appreciate air? When I'm underwater. Do you know when you'll really appreciate community and friendships? When you find yourself under emotionally. And all of a sudden you're going, I need freedom. Break stone interdependent community. Family. Kevin, come on up. Kevin, I'm going to share with the church some of the really personal, intimate emails you sent me. Is that okay? Thanks a lot. I got his permission, so don't worry, you guys. Some of you are going, I hate it when he does that. He just reads our emails without asking for permission. I asked for permission. Here we go. These are just powerful, Kevin, and, and you know that. These are powerful. Alcohol and drugs these last six months are by far the longest I've gone without getting high since long before you were born. I'm proud of four. Even though for the longest time they weren't really enjoyable. This had become the only thing I knew how to do. This was my whole identity. My whole significance. I was the type of drinker that a stone alcoholic could point to and say that he couldn't be an alcoholic when I was so much worse. Same thing for drug addicts. For some reason, God would not allow me to die, even though I came very close on numerous occasions. I think that I and people like me scare the hell out of Satan. He wanted me out of the game and on the sidelines where I could do him no damage. 
Little does he know that by being sidelined in my madness all these years and God not allowing me to die, that I am now far more dangerous to him than I ever was. It's good stuff, man. It's so good stuff. That's like a sermon right there, Kevin. That's awesome, man. Mind if I steal that? Okay. As I come off the bench, he is going to realize the threat and going to come at me with every weapon at his disposal. And I know from experience that I cannot stand alone against the temptation he is going to bring to bear. This is why I will need not only all the armor, but the whole body of Christ to withstand. I know that God had me go through all this for his purpose, and I know that new community is part of this purpose. I finally feel fully accepted after all these years and years of searching for it where it could not be found. And I thank God for bringing me here, the most prodigal of all sons and the most lost of all sheep. So, Kevin, I start there. Some of us know you really well. Others of us are like, who is that guy? Tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Well, uh, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, prior to the water. I grew up in a very uh, church-going family. Uh, my mom was real heavy into the church, volunteered. And turns out she was, you know, a drug addict for years and years. Kept it well hidden. And an adulterer, and uh, you know they, but you know they they kept their image, you know, they they always kept up their good image, and uh, you know it was kind of crushing to me when I found out the truth, and I you know I was I was you know I was involved with you know church church kids groups and was actually very good at it, and you know I, I memorized verses real well, and you know I I understood the teachings. And they made perfect sense to me, you know. You know, I always had a love for people, and uh, always, always hurt. It always hurt me to see somebody hurting. And I wanted to do what I could for them, and uh, I believe that this could have been one of the reasons that I became an alcoholic and a drug addict. Because I mean, it's you know, I've, I've learned that if you love. You're going to end up getting hurt, and nobody likes to get hurt. People, people want to cover the hurt, and you know I hurt and I love so much that you know I became really, really, really numb, and I wanted to get more numb. And uh, I tried every way I could to straighten out my life. You know that, you know I, I wanted happiness. You know I wanted peace. I wanted contentment. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I seemed like a lot of people who were like me, you know, I looked for it everywhere that it wasn't, you know. Uh, I believed every church was a bunch of hypocrites, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, I also thought you guys were kind of geeky and kind of corny and kind of dorky. And, you know, Why are you looking at me? Yeah, I don't... You know. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's the hair. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> corny, and he's, he's straight at me. 
I, I love you, though, and there's nothing you can do about it, Peter. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, it, my life was just, you know, it was a, like a spinning down the drain because things kept getting worse and worse because I kept on chasing this, this, this happiness. And the only, the only thing that made me feel okay, like I fit in, was to be, be numb, be, be blitzed. Be trash, be wasted, and uh, so I kind of walked around in the wasteland for forty some years. And um, when I finally came here, you know, I was looking for another reason to run away. You know, I was looking for something wrong with y'all that that would allow me to wrap it out and go back back to the to the madness I had. But after a while of being here, I I saw I saw. I saw Christ in y'all. I saw acceptance. I saw compassion. I saw unconditional. You know, you guys tolerated me when I was I was still an idiot, and this made corny and geeky and dorky seem real cool all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> And it's and it made what I used to be like become very, very, very scary. Because I, you know, I recognize now that it was it just my my search for fun, contentment, you know, pleasure was only brought me misery. And uh, they say that you know. God draws all to himself. And uh, I know God can do anything, any way he wants. But his, his preferred way is through the body. It was you guys, God in you guys, that drew me to him. And I want more, more than anything else to be a part of that. This will bring me a lot of joy. I want to... I want to be just as corny and dorky and geeky and joyful as all you guys. And uh, I love you all. I, I, I really do. You guys, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to God for, for bringing me here. And, and also, you know, in retrospect, for, for putting me through everything I did. Because it, be, it wouldn't be near as wonderful as it is unless I'd been through that 40 years of madness. So... Uh, I don't know what else to say, Peter. Let me go ahead and read another one of our email exchanges. You said, it seems like, uh, from your sermons of late, the ones came directly at me. And you know I prepare it with you in mind. Always, right, Kevin? It's just for you. Nobody else feels like that out there, by the way. (laughs) You know the old Kevin pretty well. I'm like the epitome of the double-minded man, the guy trying to serve two masters. Hating the one while I serve the other. Constantly switching back and forth. My love for God would not allow me to serve sin totally. And my love of sin would not allow me to serve God wholeheartedly. Well, all these half measures availed me nothing but misery. And I've had enough of misery. That's huge, man. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody here that can't relate to that statement where you say, I'm tired of living half my life sort of radical for Christ. And then half my life in the world. 
and that results in nothing but misery. But, so you're like, what, 70, 80 years? Yeah. How old are you? Eternal. Give me a break. I'm you're like, you know, I'm eternal. You and I talk about this stuff. You say, Peter, there are a lot of folks in their 20s at church who go, I'm going to play this game for a while. It's not all that bad. You're at the other side of this, and you're going, living my life as a double-minded man? Misery. Nothing but misery. How did you come to that conclusion? I really didn't have much of a choice. It just, it was just there. I, you know, it did, you know, I sat back and, you know, it, you know, what has my life been? You know, like uh, one of your sermons was, it's all about the dashes. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> but it's all about the dashes. Like, what's going to be, what's going to be remembered about me when I'm gone? And, you know, that, that just suddenly hit, you know, like it, and it, it made me cry, Peter. And uh, because I, you know, they, you know, I, I, I have a kid, you know, I, have, I have friends and, you know, I don't want to be just remembered as that guy who acted real stupid because he was drunk. I want to be remembered, hey, you know, like something will be there after I'm gone. You know, I did something for somebody that lived beyond me. And that's, that, you know, if I can do that, and I see, you guys have done that for me, by the way. Uh, you know, I, it, there's, it, you know, it's, not just, it's not just a few of you. It's, you know, I, I think every one of you has had some kind of influence directly or indirectly on me. And uh, I, 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 I want you all to be encouraged by that. Is you... You've, you've, you've uh, helped me change my life, and I want to do that. And the thought of doing that and being able to do that and to be like you guys, to draw other people to God through me, that's where joy's at for me, and that's what I've always wanted. And uh, I think that's what we all want. We all want joy. We all want contentment. We all want peace. And uh, there's only one way to it. I mean, uh, I believe this, that was when, when God made us, that was in our design. That this, this is what I designed you to be. And, you know, he gives us a choice to do it or not. And uh, if you don't choose to do it, you're making the wrong choice. You've been in rehab for seven months? It's about seven months? And counting. And counting. <laughs> But you're about to leave the place that you're at. And Kevin, you wrote me this email. I have trouble asking for things. But with what is soon going to happen to me, I have to ask for your help. When I come out of this program, soon Satan will be waiting for me with every weapon he has honed to razor sharpness. I know he is extremely unhappy with what I am doing and what I am not doing now and desperately wants me back to the ways I was. Church... I do not want to fail again. And this may be my last chance. You are the only family I've got. And I need my family to be with me in this. I don't know all I need. To have what you all have. I even need to be shown that. What I do know is that I will not be able to do this alone. I tried that before to withstand these temptations. By myself, and I couldn't. God's promise, God promises a way of escape in 2 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. And you guys are the only escape that I can see. So please help. I was very afraid about speaking in front of the whole church. But fear is what kept me from entering the promised land, body of Christ, these last some 40 years. Fear of giving up control. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of becoming like you guys. Corny <laughs> and geeky. Since getting to know you guys. You know, that, yeah. Kevin, that, that has been my worst fear, is that we would be all corny, geeky Christians. And you just confirmed that we are, so I don't know where we go from here. Anyway. It works for you. <laughs> it works for you. It's like a nice fitted jacket, man. Wear it with pride. Okay. Since getting to know you guys, all my fear is gone. And corny became very, very cool. So I now look forward to joining, being baptized, and telling the whole church how much they mean to me and how much they've done for me. Amen. time, I'm going to ask all of you that have been an active, integral part of Kevin's life to come on up, okay? We're going to pray for him. And then we're going to do this little uh, confession declaration before we baptize you. So, church family, church friends, come on up and join your, your brother here on stage. Before service, while we pray um, for Kevin, I also prayed for you guys. Let's pray for our church. Here's what I prayed for. I prayed, I prayed that for some of us who've been in Christian circles too long, that hearing a testimony like today, we're sort of numb to it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like either ho-hum or there's a sense of cynicism in our hearts like, come on, is that like, and I just pray, God, will you soften our hearts? That if there are people out there who resonate in some ways with Kevin's testimony and you find yourself in, in, a, in a whole pile of crap and you're going, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can ever, ever be free from this addiction. I don't know if I could ever be free from this in my life. That you will not hear the voice of the enemy that says you're defeated. You will always be defeated. So I, I just prayed for you today, this morning, that you would realize the life-transforming power of Christ. And then for those of us that are Christians, and we have family and friends, and we're going, God, I don't know if, if that person will ever, ever experience life change. And you've stopped giving. You've given up praying. You've given up sharing. You've given up loving. You've just resigned yourself to, this is what it's going to be. And I pray for you, too, that your heart also would be softened. That those precious people, men and women made in the image of God in your life, 
that God has placed in your care, that you would continue to be the light of Christ to them and that you would never give up, that you would never give up. Because you don't ever know what your life and your witness and testimony might mean. So God, we come around right now, our brother Kevin. We come around our brother Kevin and, and we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Is not only this morning a testimony of the power of Christ, not only this morning a power of the life-transforming power of Christ, Jesus, the risen Lord, and your ability to affect change, your ability to take anything and make it new, any, any brokenness and heal it and restore it. This morning is a testimony, God, of your grace and your mercy and your goodness in our lives. But Father, this morning is also a testimony of the power of community, power of this family, this community that you have called all of us to join and be a part of. This morning is a testimony of witness, God, to the fact that we cannot do this Christian life alone. We were never meant to do this Christian life alone. And the powerful testimony that is before us today, that when we put ourselves out there, when we make ourselves vulnerable and weak, when we make ourselves capable of loving God, that you can use that and do amazing, powerful, life-transforming things in and through us. And that power and that life-transforming effect of your gospel not just affects us, but affects him, her. It affects that group, the church, the nation, and the world. Father, we pray and ask this morning that you would be with Kevin. God, we know that the enemy does await with every arsenal at his disposal. We know that lies of the enemy, and we know that, that filthy half-truths of the enemy lies waiting. But we come against that in Jesus' name. And we declare this morning that greater is he that is in Kevin than he that is in the world. We declare this morning that he lacks nothing because the resurrection power of Christ lives in him. And we pray this morning that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And we pray this morning that he would know that he does not ever, ever stand alone. We stand with him. We stand with him. We are his family. And I thank you for the testimony of these men and women who have laid their precious hands on Kevin. We thank you, God, for their faithfulness and their obedience to your call. We thank you that the watching world can look and say, how in the world can you be such good friends? And we can declare to the watching world the gospel, the gospel, the gospel of enduring, unconditional love. Help us to catch a glimpse of that today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, 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 amen. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you do say, I do. I do.
Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? I do. Do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord and living as his faithful disciple? Wholeheartedly. Will you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? Absolutely. Just making stuff up now. Okay. It works. It works. It works. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do in all your power to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? With all my heart. What Kevin is about to do is a public declaration, not only of his faith and his commitment to follow Jesus Christ, but it's a public declaration of the fact that he is a part of this community. For as we have been baptized by one spirit into one body, so Kevin declares to you today his commitment to you and to me. Let's go, man. Together, church. Father, the words that we say, I pray that they will be true of us. And God, I especially want to pray for those that might walk out of this morning, perhaps with a bit of a heavy heart, and are asking, God, I want to, but I'm scared. God, I want to, but how? God, I want to. Can somebody help? Father, I pray and ask that you be especially with them. Give them boldness and courage where needed and required to reach out. And enable us to be the church that would reach out to them. Help us to be the embodiment of Christ here on earth. As you go forth today, new community, people of God, remember that our God is a faithful God who has entered into and invited us into an enduring, unconditional relationship with Him. May you reflect that love and that relationship to the world around you, empowered by the gospel and empowered by Jesus Christ who lives in you to that which you cannot do. Live your life out this week testifying to who he is and what he has done in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday, you guys.